Hey, today on the Sunday to Sunday podcast, I sit down with Brian Mann and John Hines, two great guys I've known for a while online. And uh, we disagree quite a bit when it comes to politics. So today we're going to have a frank and open discussion on how Christians should be acting and responding when it comes to politics in this heated election year. Did you know one of the biggest areas where people are struggling right now is money? It affects their families, their faith, everything. But our friends at Ramsey Solutions have a way you can give your people hope and confidence. It's called Ramsey Plus. With Ramsey Plus, your entire church gets the tools and the biblical principles they need to stop worrying about money, all in one digital package. To learn more about bringing Ramsey Plus to your church, text the word SUNDAY to 33789. That's the word SUNDAY to 33789. All right, today I'm joined by Brian Mann and John Hines. Brian's from City Coast Collective and John's from Center Form. Why don't you guys give uh, a little introdu- introduction, a little background on who you are, just so people know who they're, uh, who they're hearing from. Why don't you go first, Brian? Yeah, so my name is Brian Mann. Uh, the last 20, 25 years or so, I've uh, been involved in kind of the creative aspect of ministry. I've been in full-time ministry uh, here in California, I live in Northern California here, uh, been involved with churches, Southern California, Northern California. We were on the mission field with a large organization for several years and then uh, have been in Houston uh, and sort of doing church-based creative work, uh, storytelling, filmmaking, kind of all aspects of uh, creative. Um, and so now we're back on the West Coast and uh, I run a creative agency called City Coast. So we work with a number of different churches and uh, nonprofits and businesses, um, and focus again on, on film and storytelling. So that's that's kind of my background. Awesome. And you, John? So my name is John Hines. I am the co-founder and chief innovation strategist at Centerform. And Centerform is an innovation hub uh, to help people of faith to develop new innovative ministries that are uh, meaningful and appropriate in our uh, various contexts. And so we run a, a early stage accelerator that helps uh, new models of ministry get birthed and to find uh, interesting new uh, sustainability models or uh, revenue models uh, and to find ways to be uh, potent and powerful in what they're trying to do in the world. So that's what I do. Uh, you know, my interest in this conversation uh, comes from my background as, uh, as an evangelical who has over the years become, um, uh, have distanced myself from the sort of uh, voting block evangelicalism that, uh, that has been defined in part by the media in part by, I think, uh, evangelical leaders who've been uh, who've gone down a, a track that I don't feel comfortable with. So I'm trying to, myself, I'm, I'm in process, but, uh, but this is a very interesting conversation for me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited and nervous about this conversation. Uh, <laughs> the three of us, uh, we've never met 
right? Like, you know, John, you actually live 40 minutes south of me and we've never met. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to go to go to lunch soon to, you know, figure out how this goes first. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting because we all are kind of in the same circles of friends and Christians and, uh, you know, we're all kind of helping churches in one way or another. And we've had our disagreements in the Facebook uh, comment threads and, uh, you know, mainly about political stuff. It's all been civil, but we certainly disagree on, on a lot of this stuff. And so for whatever reason, we thought it'd be a good idea to uh, continue that conversation, uh, jump on the podcast here and have an open discussion. Uh, so that's what we'll do now, particularly uh, focusing around Christians and politics. Like what should we be doing and saying as Christians in such a divided and honestly pretty cruel country right now, like, uh, you know, on, on both sides uh, or all sides. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've gotten you guys to, to share a little bit of your backgrounds, but I think for the context of this discussion too, I think it, it might make sense for us to um, just share where we stand politically. Um, you know, none of us claim to be partisan, unbiased, like we each have our beliefs and we come to the table with our beliefs and perspectives. So um, I think it, you know, it makes sense to do that. So uh, I'll, I'll start, you know, I'm a, a conservative. That's what I claim to, to be. Uh, I voted for Bush. Or I voted for McCain and Romney, uh, both reluctantly, uh, but uh, I voted for Trump uh, a little reluctantly the, the first time. And uh, but now I'm excited to vote for him uh, again next month. And uh, there's a lot I don't like about the Republican Party, but uh, that's how I uh, identify and vote. And uh, frankly, there's no chance that I'd ever become a, a Democrat. So that's just kind of that's kind of where I'm at. People would say uh, people say that's uh, I'm an extreme far right guy. And some people just say I'm a typical Republican. Uh, I think I'm just a typical Republican, uh, Christian dad and entrepreneur. So uh, that's kind of where I'm coming at this conversation. Uh, Brian, how, how are you coming at it? Can I just ask you a follow-up? What was it that in the last four years took you from skeptical to excited? Uh, seeing, uh, seeing Trump's behavior, policies, and things that he's implemented and promises he's kept over the last four years, uh, knowing that there's been plenty to, to pick apart and, and certainly things that he's tweeted and said that I don't like, but seeing the overall bigger picture over the last four years, um, and, uh, and we can get into those details here sure. in a bit, but um, um, that, has, that has reassured me of like, yeah, that was, that was a good choice. Got it. Yeah, so for me, I'm similar to John. I was, uh, I'm a Southern Baptist pastor's kid. I was raised in Atlanta and North Carolina on the front pew of a, a church. And so I'm probably a little bit older than you guys, but I remember those old kind of late 70s, early 80s, sort of where, where this all kind of started. Before that period of time, I mean, historically, Christians kind of stayed out of politics. There wasn't a Christian party. Um, and so I remember those old Francis Schaeffer videos that kind of mm -hmm. got this whole sort of thing started and that started the moral majority and that started the homeschooling movement and that started like all of, you know, Christian music was started, like all this kind of building into, you know, church growth movement, all those things that sort of 
were kind of birthed out of the 80s. I remember all those things. So that was very much my childhood and grew up. I had no particular beef with, you know, the theology of all that. Um, I was, would have self-identified as a conservative until about 2003 uh, when we decided to go to war in Iraq. And to me, that's kind of where they, that's where they lost me. Um, I was just, it was more of muscle memory. <laughs> I had moved to California. I was a composer in Los Angeles working in films and then I moved to Northern California and was doing ministry. And I just, um, I would have sort of just pivoted towards conservatism like by default. Um, in the Iraq war piece, I just didn't understand. I just didn't understand why we would just go do that uh, when and the reason kept changing and all this sort of stuff. So to me, I think that's kind of where they lost me. And I, I never really went um, to the Democratic side. I just kind of became politically homeless. Um, and so after that point, we moved to, to Europe and I started to see, hey, there are countries with lots of political parties and lots of, you know, ways of thinking about things. And so um, I would probably self-identify now as a bit of a moderate or a centrist uh, in the sense of I can appreciate the ideals of both sides. Um, when it comes to policies, some things make sense over here, something makes sense over here. Uh, I tend to be very kind of independent and, and non-committal. Um, where I stand right now, um, I'm, the last four years have sort of convinced me the opposite, I think, about Trump. Uh, in a sense of yes, I think policy-wise, I could I could see as a conservative. Maybe you still don't like the guy, but you sort of you got what you pay for, and you want four more years of that, or you're too afraid of the other side, and so let's just stick with the devil we know as opposed to the devil we don't. Um, I don't know that I'm. I, I I see a Republican Party that has just been completely transformed, and a in a Democratic Party that really has no other consensus other than we don't like Trump. Yeah. And so I don't, I look at that and I'm like, I don't like either one of them. Yeah. Um, and so I generally tend to sort of stay outside of that. Um, and yeah, again, I, I, I'll end up on one side or the other, but I would self-identify as a, as a centrist. And the cool thing is that doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Um, so I'm, you can say and do I'm sort of out in the wind. <laughs> exactly. But at the end of the day, no one's really advocating for me besides like, you know, comedians and, people who are just sort of commentating. So I, I feel like I don't have a, I don't have a club. Um, I, in, in, in most cases, I'm just trying to kind of um, stick to the roots of the faith and see kind of how that plays out. And it plays out differently to me in different, you know, scenarios. Yeah. It's, it's, and as we'll see, it plays out. I mean, I think we all kind of come to it from that perspective of, of course, we're going to apply our, our Christian values and, and biblical values to everything. But even, even that we'll see you're applying that differently than I am. Um, totally. Yeah. It seems. So, and John, what, what perspective are you coming at this? What political identity are you claiming? So, you know, I, I'm going to vote for Biden. Um, I'm not going to be shy about that. Let's yeah. I'm not going to be shy about that one bit. Um, part of that is because, uh, you know, I, I was concerned about Donald Trump. I've always been concerned about Donald Trump. You know, I grew up in New Jersey and, you know, Donald Trump was sort of the epitome of like a sleazy New York con man, you know, uh, the casino magnet who, you know, ruined the Jersey shore, like that guy. And, you know, it was, was one sort of scandal after the other and just gave sort of, <laughs> 
uh, Atlantic City and, and our, our state a bad name. So I've never, I never saw him as a hero. I always saw him as a con man. Uh, and when I uh, witnessed evangelicals sort of beginning to sort of coalesce around him in the last election, it, um, it made my skin crawl. But, but that isn't the reason why I'm interested in, in voting for Biden this time around. Um, I just think, you know, as, as a Christian who's voting for uh, recognizing where we are in the world, you know, I'm a citizen of this country and, um, and that matters, I've got to vote. And so I'm, I'm not necessarily voting for a party, I'm looking at, you know, whose who's policies and character are closest to what I see represents the kingdom of God, represents the character of Jesus. And, you know, I think that's very clear that it's not Donald Trump for one. And I see a, a, a much closer alignment with what I, what's coming out of the Democratic Party and particularly Biden. Now, um, just as a, you know, to give you a little bit more perspective, if, if we're going to have like a conservative and a centrist and a progressive, my politics are probably a lot further over here. Um, you know, I wouldn't label myself as a progressive. I think that we get into trouble when we, when we start talking about liberals and progressives. And, and I think we, we start to pigeonhole to people. Be a liberal or a Democrat, or would you say you're, you're not even? Uh, I've never been a Democrat. So I, w I wouldn't label myself is that because I've, I've never been a Democrat. Okay. Um, I've been an independent since I could vote. Um, but, you know, I, I just a little bit more background about, about me. I'm a born again Christian. So I came to Christ as a young adult. I was in my early 20s and had, you know, an experience of encountering Jesus. And that shaped my my life profoundly and um, I grew up in a you know centrist Republican family um, I don't think I've ever been in alignment with uh, with conservatism but um, but but I definitely grew up in a, in a Republican family but it was when I became a Christian that I began to sort of rethink everything and think you know how do we shape, how do I shape my politics and what I'm about in a way that is pointing toward what I see as the, as the kingdom, as what Jesus is trying to bring about in the world. And so that's been sort of central in, in my perspective and why I feel uncomfortable sort of fitting into one side or the other or into one particular uh, vein or the other, because I think we as Christians need a little bit more imagination and creativity when we engage politics. Uh, I think particularly evangelicals have uh, are politically naive, and I say that as an evangelical, and I think a lot of it comes out of sort of our, our background uh, with uh, fundamentalism and Francis Schaeffer, God love him, or, uh, you know, that, that mm -hmm. we we haven't done a good job of sort of educating ourselves what it means to both be disciples, uh, but also to be citizens in a, in a democracy and a democratic republic. Yeah. And how do we go about um, shaping our, our perspectives and our values in a way that is 
much more nuanced than just one or two issues that we're going to go out and fight over. Uh, because I, I tend to agree with you. I've, I've had very similar conversations. You know, when I talk to friends who are Jewish, they just mm -hmm. don't get like they why don't get <laughs> they don't get it. And it, because in that context, it's much more about debating and pushing and pulling. It's not all caught up, caught up in what you believe. I think as people of faith, like especially evangelical Christians, to look at faith is to believe in something we can't see, right? And so that is part of the Christian faith. And I'm born in a Christian too. So in my, in my walk with God, there's lots of things that I believe in or that I place trust in that I can't necessarily see. I just wonder sometimes if that makes us especially vulnerable in the political realm and what we're really talking about is concepts of power and point counterpoint, you know what I mean? Where it feels like, well, if you, you know, you have to believe in it and if you don't, then this whole thing comes crashing down as opposed to, I disagree with that. I don't, I think that's a bad idea, you know what I mean? We just don't come from that tradition of being able to, to argue a lot, you know what I mean? And still be in the tribe, still be in the family, not based on this thing we believe, which is who we are. We come from this background of years and years and years of like, hey, am I gonna tell you who to vote for? But here's who I'm voting, for. you know, like apparently James Dobson just put out his like, here's who I'm voting for letter because my mom and all my mom's friends and all, a lot of, all of a sudden it's just started seeing like him popping up and I'm like, all right. and it, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like you have to do this, but it's kind of just like, this is what we're doing. If we're, you know what I mean? It's a very kind of joint effort. And I think we're just from that, you know, if you grew up in youth group and it all kind of got packaged together in a way that I think is really unique to the last 40 years of, of Christianity, that before that you could have been a lot more independent politically mm -hmm. and still consider yourself a faithful Christian. I think part of it is just, not just politics, but also what we've all been kind of raised up in. It's all been sort of packaged as a, as a package deal, maybe. So do know. you guys think it's okay for Christians and particularly like pastors and, and leaders to talk and be involved so much in politics and, you know, tell people who they're voting for or what they're voting for, stuff like that? Or do you think they should stay out of it? I, I, I hear a lot of pastors talking very quietly <laughs> about, you know, um, about what they think about things, but will admit to me as a fellow pastor privately that they probably wouldn't say that because they don't want to alienate people. And because so many of their congregations now that we're online because of COVID spend so much more time in the political news, news retainment, whatever you want to call that, you know what I mean? Right. That world or online or social media than they do with, with church. And so, a lot of people who are very uncomfortable with where evangelicalism has gone when it comes to Trump or the alt-right or whatever are still kind of dread to say anything, first of all, because they don't want to lose people. Uh, I think any church right now doesn't want people to walk away because <laughs> these, are, these are trying times for churches just practically. Yeah. Um, but I think, too, their sphere of influence feels like it's just gotten even smaller uh, in terms of being able to comment on this. So it's a, it's a lot of consensus building and saying maybe 80% and then leaving the 20% to everyone else. But the quiet parts they tell me, and it's usually that they, they kind of hate what's happened to the church. So, Yeah, I'm seeing uh, similar. I mean, I think the majority of, of pastors really try to keep this, uh, you know, out of the pulpit, out of a, a spotlight type of thing. But I mean, every, every lunch I've, I've had with a pastor, 
is they're like, oh, I'm so glad we're meeting because I can, I can tell you how I feel about <laughs> yeah, this right. and, uh, you know, yeah. share about it. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't share this publicly. And I think a lot of it is because, yeah, they, they want to be welcoming to everyone in their churches. They don't want to take a stance for one thing and have people feel unwelcome, which I totally get. But on the other side, too, I'm seeing a lot of leaders and pastors and, and Christian, even me, I've been more outspoken over the, over the last year, um, seeing a lot more of that of like, hey, there, there are certain things that are, are very serious uh, issues in the culture that we should be speaking into, that we should be trying to lead uh, change in. And a lot of it does, like pretty much everything becomes political these days. And so anytime you speak into, you know, certain things, it becomes a political discussion. And so there's like that tension of like, okay, we want to be welcoming to everyone. We want to, we want to be able to, uh, you know, actually share the gospel with everyone. But at the same time, we also feel this, this need to lead the culture and, uh, and, you know, be a part of that discussion in a, in a leadership type of way. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of where a lot of leaders. I think, and I think people are a lot more vocal, or, or speaking up more now than they would have four years ago, in part because I think no one really saw it, Trump coming. Like, I don't think Trump saw it. I mean, you, it's interesting, John, you see him from a Jersey Shore point of view. I've worked in entertainment. I see him from an entertainment point of view that long before Trump, politics became showbiz, right? It became entertainment, and it's, it's imperceptible. It's the same, it's the same thing. Um, and it sort of showed this kind of ate democracy for dinner. So if you look at what makes a good entertainer, spectacle, compelling narrative, drama, high stakes, you know, celebrity branding, like Trump is an except, like he just, he, he blows everyone else out of the water. There was no other candidate that's ever really been like him on either side. There were 16 other guys, right, who just like totally didn't make the cut because we just couldn't stop watching this other guy. The problem is, I think, four years later, you know, what democracy requires is different than what showbiz. So democracy requires a check on power, right? It requires political compromise, institutions, free press, informed citizenry. And like on those counts, everyone's like, I feel like we're, th those were givens. And now I feel like we're losing all those things, right? It feels like all those things are under attack. And again, I think a lot of this gets put on Trump and I get, he is such a polarizing thing. I mean, Look at the coverage in the last 24 hours. I mean, whatever this airs, but like Trump just got out of the hospital and is going back to mm -hmm. the White House. And it's just every single minute of the coverage is just yeah. it's spectacle, right? It has nothing to do with democracy. It has nothing to do with, you know what I mean, sort right. of people's will being represented. It's just about this spectacle. He's just, he's, he, he takes all the oxygen out of the room and it's all about, yeah. So I think <clears throat> four years on, we're just seeing like this has been so polarizing and it's you know what i mean it's the two sides have just gotten even further away from each other those of us in the middle who are like hey <laughs> what happened yeah. to our churches in our country it just feels like that's all we talk about now so i think that's why people are being more vocal whereas four years ago you know what i mean we hate we hate the division it's both sides it's probably congress too and now it's just like this one thing that people just can't take their eyes off of mm. um I remember uh, reading an article a few months ago about Lebanon. I think it it may have been after the explosion in Lebanon, yeah. Beirut, but it was uh, it, it was referring to a time prior to that, and it mentioned that 
you know, when in a society when everything becomes political, that society is on the verge of collapse. And I think, you know, you mentioned that we're, you know, everything is, is political right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we, we're at that point. We're just that we're, we're so divided. We are so on edge. You yeah. toss in a pandemic and, yeah. and we are on the edge of collapse. And so I, what I would have wished in this situation is that the church would have been something different than it is. Um, than a sort of partisan, um, divided place where people can't can't really understand or articulate a uniquely Christian political perspective in the midst of all of this. Because I think what we've lost in all of this is is a sense of what it means to be salt and light. What it means to to be a kingdom community because it, it, in my perspective on all of this is that Christianity is political. It has always been political. When Jesus came into the countryside and started talking about the kingdom of God in a place that was ruled by, by the Roman empire that was ruled by local kingdoms and whatnot, when he started talking about the kingdom of God, he was making a very political statement and it was heard by everyone who heard that. And when we start, um, when we start talking about America first, things like this, this is a betrayal, I, I think, of Christ and his kingdom. Because what does it mean for us to be seeking the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom in the midst of this? What does it mean to, I, I personally, what I think that means is caring for our neighbor to preserve and protect, to shine light on evil and to disrupt the, the spectacle of a show business politics that we're seeing to disrupt that with, uh, with a glimpse of something different and real. Um, and I don't, I see the failure of the church and I don't just mean the evangelical church. I think the larger Christian community, the fail, failure of the church to really be that uh, in a way that's um, both calling to a unity, calling to a community, calling to a different way of living uh, that isn't uh, so bound up in the divisions and the politics that we're, we're all wrapped up in right now. And that's what I lament the most in all of this. So how should churches and pastors and, and even, you know, leaders just like us who have, we each have some kind of sphere of influence uh, in this, you know, Christian world, at least how, like what you know, like you brought up, uh, you know, America first, and how that might be, um, you know, doesn't doesn't coincide with the teachings of Jesus would be a, a way to put that, uh, um, and, or or necessarily the teaching of loving your neighbor. Um, how do we reconcile something like that with you know keep keeping people safe? uh with more you know border security and and immigration policies is also loving your neighbor um 
you know, how do Christians kind of walk that line and, and how should we be leading in that discussion? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I think part of it might just be, you know, I'd go back to like, we evangelicals were, were so, we're, the message in my childhood was about influence, right? That's we're the evangelical. We're not the, we're not the mainliners. We're not acquiescing to culture. We're not the fundamentalists. We're not like going off to a cabin in the woods, right? Like we want to be engaged and want to influence. And that's probably one of like in our spheres of influence, that's probably a lot of the reason that we've taken our faith into, you know, making conferences happen or telling stories or birthing ministries. I mean, that, that's very, very much part of our movement. And I think that's beautiful. Um, one thing I think I've thought about a lot recently is just sort of reanimating things that I think we all can agree on. For example, I feel like the right has sort of co-opted the word life, what it means to be pro-life. And I've seen a lot of Christians recently saying that's a lot more nuanced and a lot more, it's not just pro-birth, it's pro-thriving, it's pro-healthcare, it's pro-all of these things. I think the left has tried to co-opt the word justice. And I really appreciated like Tim Keller's perspective on there's some daylight between what we're calling justice in this particular context uh, and what biblical justice looks like. So I think in some ways kind of um, because I, I think we wanted to influence things. And again, I was around for all that, those early kind of years. And I think we could probably all agree on the fact that we've been more influenced than we've sort of rendered influence. I don't look at the political spectrum and see more gospel now than I saw years and years ago. I don't look at entertainment or, you know, Hollywood or Netflix or whatever and see more, <clears throat> more Christian influence. If anything, I've seen us kind of been turned into a voting block over here and an entertainment block, an audience that, okay. And that's, that's kind of what capitalism does. <laughs> it's just sort of like, oh, here's your aisle of the store and you can go shopping on the aisle. So I think in ways it's just, it's kind of getting back to what we mean by, um, this is what the kingdom looks like. And this is, you know, things that we're for. Um, I think we live in a very deconstructive age, uh, which is just, we always identify ourselves with what we're against. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's reclaiming some things I feel like have been co-opted. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then being like, we can all agree. We actually can all agree on this. If we, if we have policy disagreements, again, I don't think that means you're off the reservation. I don't think there's anything, any such thing as a real Christian, because that would mean that there's fake Christians and you know what I mean? That's between you and God. I think real Christians can vote Democrat. I think real Christians can vote Republican. They can love Trump or hate Trump. You know, Christian means I'm following Jesus and I'm attempting to bring that into my sphere of influence. And I just don't no doubt in my mind that the three of us are, are saved you know, born again, believing Christians. Yeah. Mine. And I, I think there are people who play the Christian card on the left. And I mean, I think it's sure. much more institutionally played on the right. Uh, but yeah, there's, 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 there's definitely certain, yeah, there's certainly the levels of sanctification. Maybe. I mean, obviously I'm yeah. at a much higher level than you guys, <laughs> right. but uh, you know, we're all safe. <laughs> much more enlightened for sure. But yeah. we're all sort of safe. We'll all get in. <laughs> you'll just, you'll have like the penthouse suite. So <laughs> yeah, no, totally. To, yeah. I'll, sure. We'll have I'll Trump's name on it. Yeah. But I think that's just, it's, it's, um, I've always been really like fascinated with this idea of creating culture and yeah. of being generative and, 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 and saying that that's why I love storytelling so much because 
it it offers a perspective that you haven't heard before necessarily and it builds empathy and connection and all of a sudden you're kind of have this sense of common union or communion with someone um i love those kinds of things or you know john the ministries that you're um building i mean there there's that i i feel like that's the kingdom building that needs to happen and the building of the other kingdom you know what I mean? That will always like the nation will sway this way for a while. Then it'll sway this way for a while. We'll be at war over here and then this will happen. And I don't think any side fully encapsulates what we mean by the kingdom of God. But I think in terms of what we're, how we're supposed to approach politics, at least how I approach politics and what I try to put on social media is just, I try to write stuff that like you just, no one else is saying. Because it's a it's a beautiful medium for arguing with each other and misrepresenting someone and taking an article totally out of context, you know what I mean, and not doing what we're doing right now, which is building something. We're having a conversation. We're, yeah. you know what I mean. We're extending ourselves. Um, so I think yeah, I'm, it's it's more of a challenge now than it ever has been because we're all virtual and online. But sure. I feel like there's there's something about building that's very Jesus to me. I think there's a lot of, um, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that Christians and, and leaders should be redeeming some of the stuff that's out there in the culture. And I, I think that that's been the problem has been, we've, we've been very reactive to, to everything. And, and that's where you get into, um, there's a, a lot of like virtual, uh, virtue signaling uh, among mm-hmm. Christians, they're jumping on to whatever is the the big trend, and I don't, I don't want to get sides on all sides. Yeah, no, totally on both sides, sure. and I I think it's we're just we're seeing what's out there, and we're going, oh yeah, we, we you know as a Christian, I'm going to jump on this, and I'm going to denounce that, and it, it we're not actually starting any conversations or discussions or anything. We're just we're just joining what's out there and, and trying to to pick which side we want to jump on. Yeah. And that's, that's where it gets really dangerous because no one's looking to Christians or churches as, as leaders. No one's saying, Hey, everything's so divisive right now. Uh, we need to look to the church, look to pastors to, to figure out where, where to go and, and what side we should be. They're on. not doing that. But what's interesting, or at least, and I, maybe I read this wrong, but like I have seen the press, the secular press over the last four years, mm-hmm like wave their hands in front of the evangelical church and be like, what are you guys doing? This is not who you are. Almost as a prophetic voice to us <laughs> to say, this is why you, you mean, like, were you around in the nineties? Like everything was about character. It was about family values. It was about what you do behind closed doors. Like, this is not who you are. I feel like that's a prophetic voice to us to just say, maybe this isn't who we are. I mean, and I think the other thing too is just, you know, it's, as believers, we can't get caught up into fear and we really should be sort of dispelling fear wherever we can. I mean, yeah. in scripture, 365 times, do not fear, I'm with right. you, do not fear, do not fear. And it'd be interesting to have a conversation like this where you took the most right-wing person you could find and the most left-wing person you could find that weren't angry and you know, yeah. spitting out this, that, or the other. But like, if you weren't afraid of the other side, if you weren't afraid of Trump, and if you weren't afraid of socialism or chaos in the streets or you know whatever we're all afraid of this year, if you weren't afraid, what are the things you want to see happen? What are the things that you're for? Which what do you I want get to see that, built? But it always but it comes down to we've still got two choices. Yeah, what, what do I want? What do I believe in? Is not Trump and not Biden or Harris. I mean, it's 
it's this other person who hasn't stepped up and doesn't exist. And so like, to me, even yeah. the first, the first round with Trump, it was like, well, I see Hillary as just like, whoa, like what, no way, not even one ounce of that is, is, you know, a Christian value or anything I want to support. And it was like Trump, it was like, yeah, he's got a bad personality and has said a lot of bad stuff in the past, but he seems to be on, on the right path with the promises that make sense for the policies I believe in. And so vote that way. And it's like, yeah, we, you know, we only have two choices. And again, you know, here, we only have two choices. We, we can say all we want, like, oh yeah, we can, if we all rally together and, and lift up this third party independent candidate, who's a strong Christian, he may actually win. And it's like, well, no, that's probably not going to happen. Like, that's just where we're at. Like, you know, but let alone not a lot day, of Christians yeah. vote. But. That to me is the daylight though, between the two kingdoms is there's never anything that talks about Jesus people grasping for power. That wouldn't have made sense to anybody in the first century church because there was no power. The Christians were never in power. It's only when they became powerful that we tried to start, okay, well, what would a Christian nation, what would a Christian leader, or what would a Christian administration look and like? I don't think and we it, ever will be in power. I don't think we, you know. And I don't think that's the point. Right, Honestly, I don't think I don't, I don't, at all. Yeah. I don't think anyone's saying we want to vote for Trump because Christians want to be in power or, or even sure. Biden because but I, I think you can be pro-life and you can be actively engaged in, okay, we're going to open our home up to foster and adoptive care because that's how we're going to build the kingdom. And right. I think you can still go and vote for Biden if you want to, if there's a whole host of things that I'm not, I don't like this and this and this, but I feel like on the margin, that's more of the Jesus message in total. And then maybe four years from now, it might be on the right. I, 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 it feels very, yeah, it, it, it feels like a contradiction, but I, I think politics makes hypocrites out of everybody because it's all about power. And if we're about a different power system, I don't, I don't see how we line up on one side or the other. And this is where I think Christians have lost their imagination. And I really appreciate what you're saying about creative and culture building and storytelling uh, and why that's so important. Because I think, you know, this, this comes down to a failure of the church to really imagine what the kingdom could look like and not to go about building that in the world because we know that that won't, that won't be in fullness until Jesus returns. And until now, right. we are to sort of bear witness to this coming kingdom, which means we don't get lost in the struggles and the politics and the wars of this age, right? I mean, this is kind of basic writings of Paul and, uh, and you know, I, I can see that resonate throughout the Old Testament. But when you get back to seek first the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. I think what that means for us as Christians today and why that's so powerful up and against America first, why that's so powerful is because we're to seek first. This isn't something that we can, we can touch, that we can hold or hold on to. It's something we're to go out and look for, which requires imagination. It requires discovery. It requires us getting out into the world, getting out into uh, immigrants that are coming into our communities. It gets getting out into black communities to understand the struggles if we're white, to understand what, what that means. It means getting out into places around the world where our enemies are because we're trying to discover something. We're seeking the kingdom and we're, we're not gonna find it by, by settling on something. And, and I guess this is where 
I wish that Christians had more imagination. And when to get back to your question about what can pastors do as leaders in the church, I think it's, it comes down to discipleship. How do we disciple people to have imagination, a prophetic imagination about what it means to be people of faith, to be Christians in the world, to seek the kingdom in our community, in our jobs, in our, uh, in what we pursue for education and how we vote and, and to be curious and, and to, uh, to really seek, uh, seek what could be and not just what is or what our two options are. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, you know, to get back to the theme of this, the original theme of this conversation, that's bullshit that we have just one of two options. Like we have mm-hmm. the kingdom. How do we go about? What does that practically mean? Know? I mean, I, I think there's a, a a duty to to vote, and whether we vote or not, one of them is going to happen. So, what is that? Well, like, then, what does that mean? You can't vote for Jesus. You can't vote for the king. Then, then, how do we go about voting in such a way that will bring salt that preserves, that cares for, and preserves, and light into the world? How do we go about <laughs> voting in a way that the things that that we see in Jesus as kind of the manifesto of the kingdom and the Sermon on the Mount, how, how do we go about voting for things that are more closer alignment with that? And that's going to be messy, right? If you're pro-life, that's going to be messy. Yeah. And that's why like getting involved with, with both of these parties, but not too involved, you know, is, is I think a powerful challenge. Like how can yeah. among Democrats, can we say, you know what, killing a unborn child is bad it's an evil, right? It's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like not taking into account children in cages or immigrants that are trying to, to make a better life for their children or, you know, taking up arms against our enemies or our neighbors or whatever. Like, how do we go about uh, sort of discovering what could be and really good. voting along lines with uh-huh. that? I have a slightly different perspective that's going to be very unpopular. And it's that as a Christian, I don't believe we have any duty to vote whatsoever. As as an American citizen, we have a privilege and you could say a responsibility. But I don't see anything in the scriptures about who I vote for. I see a lot of, you know, it wouldn't wouldn't necessarily sort of translate to, to what we're even talking about right now. I do think as a Christian, as a citizen of the kingdom, I have a responsibility to be a redemptive influence. So if I'm going to be a Republican, then let's, you know what I mean? Let's definitely see that we're, we're paralleling with scriptures and absolutely, but what about poor people? What about immigrants? What about this? What about that? Let's be a redemptive influence to say, let's make this look more like the kingdom if they're in power. And I'd say the same thing about progressives as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love some of the idealism about, you know what I mean, diversity and listening to the perspectives we haven't before and really trying to understand systemic racism because I'm a white kid from North Carolina. I just don't understand it. And so the more stories I hear, the more I'll understand it. But when I see, like you're saying, you know, there is chaos in the streets. I mean, I'm in Northern California. It's, we're, we're, we're seeing it here. I don't, I don't feel like that's helpful. And so to be a redemptive influence. So do I have, is Jesus telling me I have to vote? I don't think so. I think you can abstain and continue to be a redemptive process, but if you're going to participate, be a redemptive um, influence. I also think too, I think too, one of the most helpful things that pastors 
and really any Christians can do is spend time with evangelical Christians who are not American, who are from a who share your kingdom philosophy, who have a similar view of scripture or a view of you know what life should look like, but they're from Canada or they're from Korea or they're from Australia or they're from Europe. Yeah. They don't. They weren't raised with the same. It's got to be this or that. There's no history of slaveholding in their culture. You know what I mean? And so the white supremacy that's we're trying to contend with, like maybe there's a colonial history or some other kind of history, but they haven't had the same kind of. Well, this is this is as good as it gets. To be imaginative and creative means you have to see a different way forward. And I think what's helped us, besides just living abroad, is having conversations like this with Christians from Scotland. And there it's all about, you know, it's all about queen and country and you know what I mean? Uh, all, all of the, all the political sort of things that go with that or, or, you know, Protestant Catholic or whatever. And you see this in other contexts, you know what I mean? We're, I would look at their kind of struggles and be like, it's really not that big of a deal, but they see it as like, well, this is the only two ways to see it. And so I think together is more of a kind of a worldwide body of believers we can kind of pull each other out of the ditch. And I think Americans, I mean, we've always been the sending nation, the wealthy nation and the missionary nation. I would love to see more global Christians come and sort of help us kind of take our eyes off of Facebook and the news for a while and be like, hey, when Jesus teaches this, it might look like this or this or this or this. Let's come together and try to figure out how to be more of a redemptive influence. And a lot of times I think we just get too locked into you know what I mean? So I hear your question. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a valuable question. And yeah, I don't think it all hinges on who you vote for. I've, I feel like God's much more concerned about, you know, the other <laughs> three, you know, three years and 364 days of, of the well, year. Sure. Actually... I mean, you know, regardless of who wins, Christians still need to carry out our, our mission. Like, and, and we, and we will, um, yeah. but it, we've got to wrap up here soon. I, I want to touch on two things before we do. I, I want to, I want to go back to the pro-life abortion topic because I think for most people listening to this, that is like the one issue that's so, so clear to them. We've got one candidate who's, you know, pretty much, you know, pro-abortion has, has said he'll, you know, Biden says he'll, he'll uh, refund Planned Parenthood. He'll make Roe versus Wade, uh, you know, law of the land, no matter what the Supreme Court does, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then you got Trump who's uh, very clearly, um, you know, defund Planned Parenthood, you know, he's claiming just flat out saying prep, he's pro-life now, things like that. And so for a lot of Christians who are listening to this, it is, it's like, okay, well, you know, it doesn't matter any other issue, any other thing doesn't matter. He's, uh, you know, pro-abortion, I'm not voting for him. He's pro-life, I'm voting for him. How do we reconcile that? Because we've got, like John, you're, you said you're voting for Biden. I say I'm voting for Trump or both Christians, uh, you know, how do we, how do we reconcile that? How does a Christian, how can a Christian vote for uh, Biden if he's, you know, pro-abortion? So for, for one, I don't think Biden would say he's pro-abortion. In fact, I don't know anybody that would say they're pro-abortion. People will say they're pro-choice or they're pro-legalization of abortion, but I don't know anyone unless they're demented who would say that they're pro-abortion? Sure, but it's very clear that I mean he's he's stated he'll he'll make sure that abortion is he'll defend is, a woman's right to choose. Oh, yeah, he'll defend a woman's that, yeah. right right to choose, right. and that might sound like a um, a nuance, but I think for people, 
particularly progressives who believe in the right for women to choose would say, no, that is the point. And I think part of the problem with abortion in our country as a whole is that people are talking past one another. They're like two ships crossing in the night, talking two different languages. One saying, it's all about the life of an unborn. It's all about valuing human life and the sacredness of life. And the other side saying, it's about a woman having the ownership and rights over her own body. And that can't be determined by the courts or by a government official or by a man who has some possession over her body. Um, I think both of those are legitimate arguments. And I think part of the problem is we're talking past each other and we can't come to any kind of meaningful resolution to lower the amounts of, amount of abortions and to protect women's rights in this country. I think both of those, if we could just say yes to both of those perspectives, then we might be able to do something. We might be able to reduce the amount of abortions. We might be able to protect women from uh, the, the power of patriarchy, the power of of uh, women uh, losing the ability to even control or have autonomy over their own body. So I think part of the problem uh, for many Christian voters is that they haven't really been allowed to explore this issue in all of its complexity. And I think by saying Democrats are pro-abortion, they're pro, they're baby killers. I mean, I, when we put up an Obama sign in our, our front you know, yard several years ago, we got called, my wife and I got called baby killers. My wife was eight months pregnant and we had gone through um, several miscarriages mm -hmm. and we were, you know, we were literally, people were calling us baby killers for that. Uh, so I think there's a, that's a problem. Uh, and it's unfortunate because under democratic leadership, abortions have gone down. They've gone down in general over the years, but but they've gone down more under Democratic leadership than under Republican leadership. And there's reasons for that. And the reasons are that there's protection for, for women and their health care. There's uh, greater educational values, the schools, there's more opportunity in the policies of Democratic leadership for people to make the choice to have a child than to abort it. Uh, and I think those are important things to consider because if we're really about caring about unborn children, then we want, to, we want every unborn child to have a chance. There was no way to count abortions before Roe v. Wade yeah. happened because they were still happening. They were just, it was illegal and back sure. alley. And, you know, supposing that it gets overturned, it goes back to the states. You know, I saw a poll last week or uh, some sort of piece of information that I think 90 or 95% of counties in the United States, you can't get an abortion now anyway, just because that's been the more effective um, sort of rallying point. Um, it's interesting. You, I live in Sonoma, California. So if I put a Trump sign in my front yard, we'd be called racists and, you know, right. all a host of <laughs> host of other things, mm -hmm. just like an Obama sign in Atlanta. Um, it's interesting. I, a couple of days ago, um, 
there was something in Christian Post about pro-life evangelicals for Biden. I'm not sure if you saw that, John, but uh, Richard Mao, who is former president of Fuller Theological Seminary, and Richard Foster. <clears throat> it's interesting, they're all evangelicals, but they're all retired, <laughs> which I think you have to be in order to come out for Biden. Uh, back to our previous conversations, if pastors can talk about it or not. Uh, but they made the they made the uh, the the case that you know abortion is not the only pro life issue that poverty is a pro life issue that healthcare is a pro life issue racism is a pro life issue and climate change is also a pro life issue yeah. meaning like all of those things can actively kill people as well including children so you know what is our real concern here and I think yeah I mean I'm with you John in the sense that like that it has gone down and I think if there is more healthcare option that you know what I mean I'm where I tend well, to be centrist is that I cannot I, I can't align myself with the Democratic Party because of abortion I'm pro-life um, I just I can't get there um, but from a but I also don't believe that Christian that America is a Christian nation I don't believe that God's going to do anything differently based on how we vote or who's in the White House. I just don't believe. I think that's mythical. Well, here, um, here's where I see the comment. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, I just got my my thought back to to reply to All John. Right. It is it. you know you're saying you know abortion has declined and we should be doing whatever we can to in, ensure the the least abortions, knowing that there probably always will be abortion. Uh, even if it's done illegally, even even if it's outlawed, you know, people are still going to be having abortions and, and, and there's still going to be sin in the world, right? And so we should choose the candidate that's going to uh, contribute to the least amount of, of abortions. Your point was uh, under Democrat presidents, that's been lower than Republican presidents. Uh, I think that is an, a nuance that's probably debatable on itself. But, you know, we've got Biden and Harris clearly saying, we're going to do things that will, they're, they're not saying, hey, we want to decrease abortions. And so by doing that, we're going to make late term abortions. Okay, we're going to make uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, law of the land, no matter what, like they're, they're saying things that are clearly saying, no, we're going to make it easier to have abortions. Whereas Trump is saying, no, I'm going to make it harder to have abortions. I'm going to get rid of uh, abortions as much as I can. And so that's, that's where it's just not clear to me, like you can't, but to me, I can't look at Biden and, and say, yeah, that's a better, better choice. We're going to have fewer abortions under him. Uh, clearly, the, the choice would be under Trump, there will be, you know, a better chance of having fewer abortions. So how, how do you reconcile that, John? I, I feel like if Jesus was in this conversation, I mean, we're three white guys, right? So, like, the real question is, do we really care about poor people or not? I mean, that's that's who's having abortions when you're talking about you know what I mean? I don't think, the, the I don't think it's only poor people having abortions. I think it's teenagers. It's not only poor people having abortions, but that's when we're talking about fluctuating numbers, we're talking about healthcare access to people who are in many cases below the poverty line or a different skin color than, than the three of us and definitely a different gender than all three of us. Um, I, I think in, in some ways, if we knew that Christians were, if, because on the on the left, you know, and I, I consume just as much progressive media as I do conservative media, it is framed up as a woman's issue. And the whole movement came out of women's liberation, which is like, you have power, you are equal, and no one has rights to your body but you. That's hard to argue with uh, until you get to the, right, the rights of an unborn child, for me anyway. Right. right. So, but if I look at the choices, who is it that's actually advocating? Now, are they doing it well? I don't think so. 
um, but they're, at least they're advocating for the rights of poor people. Like the nuance for me as a centrist is I believe in universal health care, which is also very unpopular in America, but I believe that everybody gets sick, especially in, you know, your COVID, 28 million people have lost their jobs, 7 million people have gotten COVID, and almost no one's going to get the same health care that the president just got. No one. Um, so I believe that we need health care. And if we had health care, I don't think this would totally go away. But I think we would have a more honest conversation about pro-abortion and anti-abortion. Does that make sense? So again, I think it's always complicated when you talk about Jesus. You know, people on the left will say, does the Bible mention abortion? No. Well, you know, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't buy that. I think we're, we're for life. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't murder. Um, you know what I mean? So I, 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 I feel like there's a lot of sort of wiggle room there. I, I tend to be more pragmatic and just say whatever lessens the amount of abortions. Who would choose that unless it was an absolute last resort? Um, and I don't want someone who feels like they're absolutely desperate or in a mental state to go do something that's going to not only kill a child, but harm them irreparably for the rest of their lives. As soon as people be can believe that the church is pro-woman, um, and I, I think we'll, we'll have a much more honest and redemptive conversation about the whole thing. But I think this is just one of those areas where, you know what I mean? If it's, if it's abortion on the right, then on the left, it's, you know, kids in cages on our watch. And I, I, can't, I can't put my support behind that either. You know, I, I think one of the questions that we as evangelicals need to be asking is why abortion? Like why abortion instead of, you know, universal health care as our big issue or, you know, a, a stronger immigration where we're bringing more people in so that people have more opportunities. Well, well I know why. I mean, for me, it's they're the numbers. There's billions of, of babies that can't defend themselves and somebody's got to and that are you know being murdered every year for you know what's being touted as a healthcare issue uh when but then but then why not that, why know? not also you know caring for it is also it is families also and healthcare and educational opportunities and those are all very to important to me and I think most, I think most conservatives and, and Trump supporters in particular very much care about health care and immigration and, and education. Uh, those are all great. None of those result in, in the death of babies. So that's why abortion is much more polarizing and talked about more. But, you know, for, for me personally, I, 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 when I put my vote for Trump, I think that is a vote for uh, the poor as well. I think under Trump, you know, pre COVID, you take COVID out of it, obviously, that's a huge pandemic that uh, affected the economy. Before that, I mean, you know, jobs were at an all time uh, high. So, you know, these these people that are struggling with an income in order to pay for, uh, you know, the birth of a baby, uh, now, you know, have a better chance of getting a job and paying for that a job that might even provide uh, that health care. Um, healthcare costs are coming down and um, we've already seen insulin prices, uh, you know, drop and things like that for my daughter. Um, you know, that like I'm taking into account all of that for with Trump. To me, it's not just, you know, like, abortion isn't uh, uh, such a drastic, you know, line in the sand uh, for me. I think there's so much more that, that goes into it for, for sure. And I think in particular, 
churches need the empowerment and the persuasion to care more about uh, abortion and or uh, adoption and uh, you know providing healthcare and support for single moms and teenage moms and things like that and teaching more about um, how a loving family can come alongside a teenage girl who feels like she's just scared out of her mind and, and an abortion is the only answer whether you know healthcare is an issue or not because I don't think it is anybody can go get a, a free uh, abortion and anybody can can get the care they need to carry out a pregnancy uh, as well you know insurance or not yeah. um, but, but you're right I mean you, you already said it it's this is the this is the issue that tends to, to like just we go mute on everything else on the conservative side yeah you know what I mean I always wonder like how many of us white evangelical Christians know someone who's had an abortion so me you know I mean personally my my girlfriend uh, before I was married uh, we were eight no, we were we were nineteen, twenty, right around there. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, we were Christians, but we were we were living together uh, in sin, and having sex. She got pregnant, and she like she used to stand in front of Planned Parenthood with picket signs with her dad growing up. Like they were very mm-hmm. anti-abortion, mm-hmm. Um, but she also knew she was just so deathly afraid of him. She was like, if we if we have this baby. Um, you know, my family will disown me is how she felt, which is further from the truth. They would have totally loved her. And so she against uh, my, I wanted to marry her and, uh, and have the kid together knowing that everyone around us might hate us, but she ended up going to Planned Parenthood and having an abortion. And uh, at the time it was like my mind as a, you know, a kid was conflicted of like, yeah, this sucks. This is, we're killing this baby and that's horrible. But at the same time, also relieved. I don't have to, you know, marry her and, and, and figure out this kid together. We, we ultimately, you know, uh, broke up because of it. And uh, God has redeemed everything about it, uh, you know, since then. But, you know, per- personally, the, I've, I've been through that. Um, and I do know, you know, plenty of people who have had uh, abortions as well. And it's, most of the time it's a scary situation it's it's a a tragedy and i I think what you know what you're just what you're doing now is you're taking into the storytelling realm and you know what i mean for those of us for whom this is an issue versus for those of us who this is a story or this is a person we love or this is part of our life you know what i mean um to me again that's where we're getting down into redemptive kingdom work is yes there's two choices and yes we're going to you know what I mean? There's a tremendous amount of money being spent this year on both sides, on all sides, yeah. to, to try to kind of pull us more this way or that way and hate those guys more than we hate our guys. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it's like it, if we really want to engage on, if we really want to be pro-life and not just anti-abortion or pro-immigrant and not just anti-kids in cages, yeah. you know what I mean? It's taking it down to the storyline. That's what Jesus did. I mean, he, there, were, there were the zealots and there were the imperialists and there were people who were anti-Rome and pro-Rome. And... Jesus is like, no, 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 come over here. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about that tree over there. Let's talk about the fruit that's coming off that tree. Taste the fruit. Is it good fruit? Good. That's a good tree. He, he spoke in stories and parables and took us out of the, well, what about them? What about them? And brought it much down into actually God wants to say something to you about this, or God might actually change your mind about this. And that's okay to change your mind. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of, a, you know, of intelligence and enlightenment. You're presented with new information. I just, 
I feel like when we're in those kind of conversations, we're doing the sort of thing that God's called us to do. And we need to have um, more of those conversations because no, even Christians mm-hmm. and even teenage girls within the church don't look at the church and pastors and, and fathers as a safe place to go to, to say, I messed up, I got pregnant, you yeah. know, help me do everything possible not to kill this baby. Instead, they're doing it in secret and for free. And it's, it's just tragic like we we as a church and leaders need to talk about this more so that you know fathers and families can can grow up knowing that hey this is this is something we will come alongside you with and love you and 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 help you churches uh can have i mean that if you if you're spending millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars on foreign missions but you don't have like an adoption fund then i think that that's a disconnected there like there there's no reason why churches there's no reason why adoption should be so expensive for one like that can be a legislation that you you know perhaps but churches can come alongside that financially um foster care uh, you know as well should be easier and should be something that's done through the church i mean there's so much more we can be doing as a church to make abortion a very distant uh you know thought Instead, it's like the number one thought. Yeah. All right. I know we've got, I know we got to end here. And so why don't we do this? Why don't, why don't you guys share just kind of your, your final thought to wrap this up? Like, what do you, what do you want to say? What did we not say? How do you, how do you want to wrap this up? Um, why don't you go first, John? Sure. I think my final thought is that these kind of conversations are really healthy. I think part of the problem that we're experiencing in social media is this hyper polarization that's kind of dislodging us from our humanity and our, our humanity toward each other. We're losing sort of track of realizing that people are very complex human beings with a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different thoughts and that we don't have to necessarily fall into one or the other side when we're in, engaging one another. And maybe having this kind of conversation is really, really a beautiful, healthy thing. And I appreciate the emphasis on storytelling because I think that does humanize us and contextualize us and, and our perspectives. I also think that um, just to kind of reassert my political perspective when it comes to this coming election, that this is probably the most important election uh, since 1860, you know, um, that we're, that, that this is a really critical moment for our country and there's so much at stake. Uh, and I want us to be able to sort of take a step back as Christians and look at and survey what's happening under our watch uh, in this nation and in the larger world. And look at the two options that we have before us and say, which one of these is, is the option that will lead us closer to something that resembles a peaceful, compassionate, loving world that Jesus sort of gave us a glimpse of in the gospels. Uh, which one of these candidates is closer in character to Jesus? And that, that nobody's Jesus, right? <laughs> Except for Jesus. So we all are going to fall short. But which one of these folks is is really sort of um, 
pressing into things that Jesus talked about. And then I think, you know, that doesn't mean we're throwing out um, someone just because of one issue or another, but we're looking at this holistically because uh, to be blunt about it, I, I feel like Donald Trump uh, is, is dangerous uh, as a leader. I, I won't even call him a leader because I think he's missing the characteristics of a leader. He's, he, he leads by dividing, which isn't even a leader. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's really dangerous for us as a country because we will, uh, we will, we will crumble apart um, because we don't have uh, blood that unites us. We're, we're, we're a mixture of people from different races and cultures that have come to this place in this land together um, with a history of, of oppression and, and immigration and all kinds of different things. And if we are to move forward as the United States of America, we need someone who is capable of leading by uniting. And um, I, I feel that Joe Biden is probably the person among the choices that we have that can do that. Uh, Donald Trump has shown us over the past four years that he is not only incapable of uniting, even around something as innocuous as a, as a virus that's affecting us as a, as a nation, um, but that he utilizes division as a way to gain power. And that is dangerous. And I, I personally believe that our faith speaks to that and we should engage this political cycle out of, uh, out of our understanding of our faith. Brian? Yeah, for me, I, I would definitely agree with some of that. I, you know, I think it is a very important election for our country. I don't think the gospel hangs in the balance. I think the gospel will be fun. Um, it's endured. It will continue to endure. It's not tired to one side or the other. Um, you know, and again, I, I think the political arena really is about power and it's about well if they win then we lose and i think that god's kingdom is about hey give up your power because you've already won go stand in the back of the line or be the least because the in the kingdom the least are the are, are the greatest and the last are the first i i really think there's just you know it's like the metric system and the <laughs> inches and pounds it's just two kind of different things and so it's it's always going to feel a little bit like a square peg in a round hole um, the notion that somehow we nailed it in America or we're going to get back to some sort of Christian ideal, uh, I think is a, is a bit of a lost guy. It's never worked. Um, when we've, when Christians have been in a position of power, we tend to, to focus more on the power part than the Christian part. So, um, I, I really do think you could stand back and evaluate both platforms. And I, to me that that's, that's more helpful. I agree. I think Trump has been a very corrosive influence. Um, I, I, I go back to, I just, I, I don't think he's in the right job. <laughs> I think he possesses qualities that are excellent for one sphere of influence and pretty terrible for democracy, which is again about institutions and checks on power and acknowledging other people in the room and global alliances and all those sorts of things. I just, I don't think that that's, that's where he's supposed to be. So um, but in terms of, uh, in terms of Christians, I, I, I really think it's understand what Jesus is teaching, 
um, be a person of influence. And however you decide to vote, you have that freedom as an, as an American. Don't let anyone talk you into, you can't vote this way, you have to vote this way. Um, I would just say, evaluate it for yourself. Use the freedom that you've been given that you know, very, very few people in the span of history have ever had the kind of freedom that we have to make a choice like this. Um, and, you know, I, I would also just say pray for the country. I, I think there's a lot that could go badly wrong. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of people who have died. In my view, that's partially preventable, but it's happened. I would love for us to come together on a way forward and a vaccine so that people can be safe and so it stops being politicized. Um, pray for the unborn, pray for immigrants and people who are being detained, pray for peace on our streets and pray for churches to start thinking differently through COVID so that we can begin to ex exhibit that kind of redemptive influence um, that I feel like God's you know, placed us on this earth. And it doesn't all hang in the balance in November in terms of our faith and in terms of our um, influence. I really appreciate Scott Sauls. He's the pastor of Christ Presbyterian in Nashville. And, just said a boldly partisan Christian in all of its forms is a contradiction in terms, meaning that grasping for power is the world's way, uh, continuing to be loving and non-defensive no matter what is, is the way of Jesus. Uh, and there's, there's always going to be daylight between those two things. So um, I think you can make a conscientious choice. And if you decide to abstain, I think that's a conscientious choice as well and one that you're free to make. So but be that redemptive influence that you know that God's called you to be. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you both uh, for coming on and, and having this conversation. I, I think these conversations are, are good and, and healthy. I don't think any of us came into this thinking we would change anyone's mind or anything like that. Um, I'm glad that we each got to share our uh, perspectives coming at this. And I think people can, can look at that and they'll, you know, they'll decide for themselves what they need to do or what they should be doing. Um, I would say when it, when it comes to, you know, voting this year, it, it definitely is uh, a very important election uh, for a number of different uh, reasons. I think whatever happens this November will have lasting effects uh, beyond, you know, the next four years um, that affect all of us in a number of different ways. And so that's very, very, very important. I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know that the, that the Bible says uh, that we should vote or not. I, you know, like to your point, Brian, I, I think uh, there definitely is a, you know, an American duty and responsibility that we should uh, take, um, you know, that we should respect that and take, make that important. Um, as Christians, I think that we have um, the, the power and responsibility to influence. Uh, and so we should take that seriously. Um, but I would say as you, as you vote, if you end up voting, um, is to, to don't look at and, and see which option is more like Christ, I, I think, um, you know, or, or even who is a better representation of Christians, because that's just not what we're voting for. I, I don't think we should vote on personality. Um, I don't think we'll ever have a Christian president like we want. Um, and uh, that would be great, but uh, it's just not going to happen. And so I, I think, you know, look at the policies that are not only better for our country, but uh, that are better for the poor, better for the marginalized, better for, um, you know, what's the better option for religious freedom um, and for jobs and, um, you know, who, who out of the candidates will pick better Supreme Court judges and federal judges, because that's, that's where a lot of this will have uh, a lasting impact, you know, for 20 40 years or, or more. 
Um, and I think that's important to, to look at that. And so, um, you know, I, I agree. I don't think the gospel uh, hangs in the balance here at all. I, I don't think uh, uh, church does either. I mean, you could strip our religious freedoms and, and we'd still go on. Um, you know, we'd probably thrive and flourish. Actually. No, we probably would. If, <laughs> Historically, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. You, you look at other countries too, and, and they're, they're doing fine. Yeah. The church is, is fine. And, and so, you know, and we, we said similar scary things uh under uh obama the church survived under obama we survived under bush uh who was you know arguably one of the, you know the he was a at least he said he was a, a christian and, and probably uh was uh or is you know among the last 10 or so christians our uh, presidents, I mean, and so, you know, we will be okay. I, I think, you know, no matter what happens, um, we need to steer people away from fear and uh, we need to continue to try and lead uh, culture uh, no matter what, instead of uh, being reactive to it or, or trying to please everybody. Um, I feel like a lot of churches and, and leaders are so cautious about, man, we just, we want to grow. We want to have people there on Sundays. And so we're we're uh, just jumping on whatever the the trend is instead of actually just you know working from our, our gut that's guided by the holy spirit and so that would be my my hope for the church is that um that that's where we end up um uh, because we'll be we'll be fine if biden wins um you know we'll be fine if trump wins we'll be fine either way it's gonna be crazy it's gonna continue to get crazy so um i appreciate you guys uh, again thank you for for coming on hopefully this yeah, was thank you both helpful for this was awesome let's do <laughs> more of this i love yeah, it we'll have to no, do it again. seriously yeah this is this is such a good again there's there's so few places where you can we, we were taught as a culture never to talk about religion or politics right? and it just means we're none of us now know how to talk about religion or politics so <laughs> yeah. in it i mean i really do appreciate you doing this justin i mean in a in a in a sphere where we can sort of go out on a limb and be like ah, and still be brothers in christ yeah, uh, that's exceedingly rare, and I'd love to find more places we can do this kind of thing. Yeah. We'll have to at least do this again after the election, uh, if, if sure. not uh, before. Yeah. That'd be cool to do. Maybe, maybe with a, maybe with a drink in your hand, and we can we can do it. Oh yeah, we'll an, all be an extended post mortem. Yeah, <laughs> that'd, be awesome. that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look, I, you know, I just, I love that, uh, um, that we can be, uh, we can be friends, we can be brothers in, in Christ uh, through this, even though we, you know, we clearly, you know, still have different uh, opinions on, on these things. But I think that that doesn't matter, pales in comparison of just our, um, our allegiance to Christ and, and wanting to grow the kingdom. So uh, love you guys. Thank you so much again. Peace. Thanks so much. Okay.